This is Uncovering Inclusion. Let's take that over. This is Uncovering Inclusion. Welcome to episode six of Uncovering Inclusion. My name is Dylan. You might remember me from episode five if you listened to episode five. And we're talking about National Disability Employment Awareness Month, which is October, which is the month we're in. Here at Uncovering Inclusion, our official stance on National Disability Employment Awareness Month, besides being ridiculously hard for anybody with a disability to say is this. Disabled people won't be considered equal to people without disabilities until our value is based on more than being a commodity. Don't get what I mean? Place any other social identity or medical label where disability goes in National Disability Employment Awareness Month. I'll use some of my other social identities and labels to model what I mean. National Lesbian Employment Awareness Month. National Rape Survivor Employment Awareness Month. National Menopausal Employee Awareness Month. Maybe you hear this and you're like, yes, Menopausal Awareness Month, finally. Crank that air up, Marie, woo! I get it. But what if National Menopausal Employee Awareness Month existed only to remind the world that even though you have menopause and even though you might be kind of getting old and you might get really sweaty sometimes or have a mood swing and even though you might have a hot flash or some satanic mixture of all of those things at once, that in spite of all of those possibilities that definitely have not all happened at once and for sure don't tend to happen all in the same day, you can still most likely shred my office paper and I will get a tax credit. You, disabled employee, can wipe down some food trays and say hello to us while wearing a vest made out of synthetic cat hair and pollution for minimum wage or less. But it's worth it. It's worth it because you get to work without ever building wealth, and I get to say, you know, it is really fulfilling. When people ask me what I do at dinner parties, and you are worth it because right now, you are worth something to me. Your disability is capital. And as long as it's the disability that matters and not how I treat you, here, go empty the garbage can. Let me tell you, 
capitalism is as scary as any jack-o'-lantern. Ableism and capitalism coexist the same way capitalism exists with other oppression, like white supremacy or gender discrimination. Not because it has to, but because it was set up to be that way. Now, I'm not saying this to be polarizing or because I don't love my state or my country. I do. I'm saying it because when people set things up to work for them and people like them, they typically don't also set things up to work for people they don't even know about yet or aren't familiar with or maybe they're too busy stealing from them and enslaving them or keeping them in poor houses to consider them human enough to ask their opinion. So what are we celebrating when we celebrate National Disability Employment Awareness Month? In a sample ending press release, the present United States Department of Labor suggests personalizing the following statement for organizations to send out on or around the month of October. It reads as follows. The history of National Disability Employment Awareness Month traces back to 1945, when Congress enabled a law declaring the first week in October each year National Employee the Physically Handicapped Week. In 1962, the word physically was removed to acknowledge the employment needs and contributions of individuals with all types of disabilities. In 1988, Congress expanded the week to a month and changed the name to National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Ensuring the America's workplaces continue to include and accommodate people with disabilities will be an important part of our economic rebound, said U.S. Secretary of Labor Eugene Scalia. Looking ahead, the department will remain focused on the policies that led to a strong economy and record low unemployment rates for persons with disabilities prior to the pandemic. A vigorous economic rebound in job growth will, alongside with the Americans with Disabilities Act, increase access and opportunity for Americans with disabilities. There are a lot of these statements that you can personalize all bragging about the future, record low unemployment for people with disabilities, just like it used to be prior to COVID, without admitting that it seems like no matter what, self-employment, which people tend to not do full-time or make a living wage on by itself, remains the highest employment type for people with disabilities across the nation and has been typically regardless of who's in control of our government branches at the state and national levels. And certainly it was the highest job category for people with disabilities prior to COVID-19. The Department of Labor even thought that the economy was actually already shifting towards an economic downturn that was set to start around 2023, according to the last projections I looked at. So while a worldwide pandemic and an administration that continues to strip away accessibility and inclusion for disabled residents has made things 
more difficult, this outcome for disabled employees isn't surprising or new. Low unemployment rates in traditional types of employment for people with disabilities has never been or stayed low. Employees with disabilities are often last in, first out. The exact opposite of the rules followed by a lot of the employees who are often preparing people with disabilities for work in the state of Minnesota. I actually was contracted for a project on this very thing at the end of 2019. From what I researched, I believe that increasing inclusion in the gig-based economy and thinking of work as something that isn't so compartmentalized with hidden cultures and social rules is the best thing our communities can do to become more self-sustaining as a large population of people will need to age in place. Structures now often are drenched in ableism, hiding behind words like easily adaptable, executive presence, and good customer service, while listing so many physical and intellectual requirements in the job description. I wonder how many people working within the upper echelons of those same companies could even qualify for an entry-level job in that same company in today's market. With the face of employment rapidly changing, why is employment inclusion still being talked about as if hiring people with disabilities into low-wage, high-risk, production-style jobs, unless we're autistic, then apparently just give us a computer, is still being touted as the solution for not only Minnesota, but for all Minnesotans with disabilities. We've far surpassed the industrial era and being paid based solely on our production with no minimum wage guarantee. So why are Minnesota's disability employment policies inching towards 100 years old without being updated to meet the needs of present day people and our present day economy? When we only value people's money-making abilities, we demean them as people, we disrespect them as people, we undermine their value as human beings. Because if I ask you, Leah, what your favorite thing about me is, or if you ask me what my favorite thing about you is, I wouldn't say, God, I love her job. I love that she has a job. Right. I love that she works hard. You right. know what I mean? A few people might say that, but... Probably your relationship with others and your view of yourself is a lot more complicated than just your job. And also, if we understand that capitalism and, say, racism are inextricably linked because they were founded upon that, so too were capitalism and ableism, mm -hmm. right? In very obvious ways. If you can pull the lever less quickly than the person next to you, you're half as productive, you make half as much, or you get fired. Pull the joystick faster then they would make more. So maybe go sharpen up your joystick skills, right? <laughs> Whatever, right? It's, it's laughable, but it's literally how we justify the living conditions of people with disabilities. And to fight against it only... Th to fight against it requires us to undo the capitalism as well as the ableism at the same time in lockstep. And if we don't, we're going to have to come back through this very territory in terms of empowerment of people with disabilities in their own community 
the fight to recognize their value no matter what their differences might be or what their support needs might be and the responsibility of all of us to participate in helping those citizens feel comfortable and supported in their community and empowered to make choices. We're going to have to come back through this same progress, through this same concepts, twice. Once playing capitalism's game with them and saying, but look at this exploitable labor force. And what does capitalism love more than an exploitable labor force? So we make this progress for them as workers. We will then need to make this same progress for them as human beings in their community. We'll have to come right back through here and say, no, it actually doesn't matter if they can make us money or not. Employment is not actually the thing. It's their innate humanity because we can't just talk about economy. We can't just talk about productivity. Right. and make the argument that a disabled person under the right conditions can be just as productive because who the fuck cares? They can be just as valuable. They are just as valuable. They are just as us as anyone else is. They are part of our shared community and responsibility, whether they make money or not. and I have been fortunate to work together in a number of capacities, at medium statewide corporate style nonprofits, at smaller ones who primarily exist in suburbia, and we've partnered with everything from locally owned businesses to Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and private citizens when it comes to supporting people with disabilities at work. The truth I've discovered for myself throughout the years is that it's really impossible to take something that was created by a bunch of people without disabilities to try and support injured soldiers returning from World War II who were then paid less than minimum wage on production lines and make that somehow change its meaning by just changing the words. Is it employ the physically handicapped week or National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Does it matter? I don't care if you call it a baby vacuum of tickles. If you stick a needle in my arm at the doctor, I'm still gonna bleed. It's a social difference. The type of social difference that should be embraced with the same kind of open-mindedness that you might for a person from a different country or a person of a different religion. Mm -hmm. right this is a social difference right they just behave differently right you can certainly discuss things that they do that make you uncomfortable that you need them to stop and you can expect them to stop them but we there's this anxiety around employment where it's like as if the employer is doing the employee a favor Right. By giving them a job, letting them have a job, treating them as if they're a real person <laughs> with a job. You know what I mean? Like letting them work overtime, calling them calling them in on a Saturday if they, you know, if they need someone, you know what I mean? Like challenging them and rewarding them appropriately, which they do not do. You know, they don't, you know, discrimination in the workforce is still very real. But there's also the same discrimination exists in all other areas 
of a disabled person's life. So why would we try to only cut through that one? And I think the answer is sort of ugly. And it's because if we succeed in that area, then we can harvest them for labor dollars, right? Whereas the other things that we could carve through our ableism in have less immediate and obvious financial rewards for the abled. Well, and another thing I think we should do an entire episode about that I hope we do is discussing how much money the employment nonprofits suck up from um, the funding that Minnesota State gets that's shared with, like, education and recovery um, and, like, childcare and all of this other stuff to be, like, I mean, like, I'm, I think we should talk about it from the other side too, like being like a job coach and people are like, you're the expert. And I want to be like, I'm not an expert in being a law clerk. I'm right. just less disabled than the person I'm helping. And we, right. we talked about that before. And so it's like the fact that I'm getting money for being less disabled to like talk with an employer who's getting a tax break and then like, um, how many people over like that person's head are then getting paid administratively all the way up through? So it's like by the time you actually, like by the time the money trickles down to the person and like the community benefits, you've literally gone through like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's ridiculous. It's the same thing as like, you know, prison, the prison system is like we've created an entire industry around uh, supporting disabled people at work instead of making workplaces inclusive. Yes.